Hello and welcome to the Tech Narratives Podcast. My name is Jan Dawson. This is episode 75, the episode for Wednesday, October the 11th. I have 10 items that I've written about on the site today for subscribers at technarratives.com. And then I have five items in the roundup at the end, other things that you might be interested in reading today, which I haven't explicitly written about on the site. Kick off today with number one, a story from Bloomberg about Qualcomm being fined the local equivalent of $773 million by uh, the uh, Fair Trade Commission of Taiwan over antitrust violations. This, of course, just the latest in a series of moves against Qualcomm over similar issues in the past year or so. China, South Korea have already taken action with fines and so on. The U.S. is investigating it. And of course, there's the ongoing lawsuit with Apple over the same issues as well. Uh, so far, pretty much every one of those cases has gone against Qualcomm. And uh, early steps in the specific court case between Apple and Qualcomm have also gone Apple's way. So increasing indications that there is a sound basis for at least some kind of action against Qualcomm and therefore that Apple's likely to prevail at least to some extent. The big question is just to what extent it will succeed and what kind of a financial hit Qualcomm will end up taking out of all of this. Number two, Amazon has announced a way for teens to buy stuff from Amazon.com through their parents' accounts with an approval process. In essence, the teens now create their own accounts that are tied to parents' prime memberships, and then they can go and order stuff on a preliminary basis, and then either that can be approved on a case-by-case basis by the parents via text message or through an app, or uh, the parents can preset a spending limit such that once the teen hits that spending limit, they can't buy any more stuff through Amazon. Uh, This is just another example of Amazon's deepening sophistication around its e-commerce operation. Even as every week it feels like there's some kind of an announcement from Walmart or Target or somebody catching up on the more fundamental aspects of Amazon's e-commerce platform, Amazon keeps moving ahead, deepening its competitive moat around its e-commerce platform and services and doing this kind of thing. And of course, this also helps to create a next generation of Amazon shoppers committed to and habitually used to buying stuff through Amazon. So really smart stuff from Amazon. Also ongoing example of its segmentation of the rest of the market that it can't reach directly uh, through adult uh, individual subscribers. Number three, big announcements today from Facebook and Oculus at its fourth developer conference, OC4. Uh, the notable ones were around standalone headsets. So this is something that was rumored a few months back and has now been confirmed. There will be a $199 standalone mobile grade headset coming early next year. That's called Oculus Go. Oculus also provided an update on a project, uh, which is called Santa Clara, which is um, around, excuse me, I think Santa Cruz, uh, around a more PC grade standalone headset. So it's equivalent to the Oculus Rift but without any kind of tethering to a PC, more of a standalone approach that would offer six degrees of freedom, therefore allow you to move, not just move your head from side to side and up and down, but actually move your body within space and would offer inside-out tracking, which means that the tracking of the position of the headset and everything else occurs from inside the headset rather than requiring sensors in the room. So that would be a more direct competitor to uh, Riff, uh, to the HTC Vive and what it offers today. No timing for that as such. Uh, big progress on that. Sounds like it's already pretty good at this point, but uh, no specifics on timing or pricing for that one yet. Some other stuff that the $400 bundle price point for Oculus Rift, which was supposed to be temporary over the summer, has been made permanent and a few other bits and pieces as well. So real push by Oculus to uh, bring down the prices of its devices to expand them to the mass market. Facebook announced a billion user goal without a specific timeline, so that's aspirational rather than specific. 
but clear that Facebook and Oculus are very serious about VR and trying to be a major player there. Uh, interesting implications, meanwhile, for uh, Microsoft's mixed reality VR platform, which, of course, competes in a similar sort of price point to where Oculus Rift now is at a much kind of higher grade experience. Also interesting competition for Samsung Gear VR, uh, against which the new Oculus Go will compete, albeit at a slightly higher price point. Number four, Indian ride-sharing service Ola has raised a billion-plus dollars from Tencent, SoftBank, and some others. Uh, this is part of a big fundraise, which is likely to hit about $2 billion altogether. Ola is the local competitor to Uber in India. Those two companies really kind of carving up the market between them, neither so far dominating the other, uh, but a very competitive market. And, of course, the long-term risk for Uber is that it ends up losing out to the local competitor as it already has in China and Russia, in both of which markets it ended up caving and throwing its lot in with that local competitor. Clearly doesn't want that to happen. In India has been investing heavily there. Ola, meanwhile, not having quite such deep pockets. Raising some money, though, will enable it to compete on more of a level playing field. Number five, Alibaba, big Chinese e-commerce giant, has announced a doubling in its R&D spending over the next three years to $15 billion dollars. Uh, and the focus of that new spending will be on AI, the Internet of Things, and quantum computing. I think AI really the critical area there for them. This part of a broader competition, not so much against Amazon, which is kind of how Bloomberg frames this, but a competition among all the big tech players, both in the US and China and elsewhere, around AI, trying to get the best people, the best technology, make the best advances, but also tying into a broader what's emerging as a geopolitical competition between the US, China, to some extent Russia as well, around things like AI, both from a business competitiveness standpoint, but also around things like cyber warfare. So really interesting to see that big commitment from Alibaba there. Number six, Amazon's added some basic voice recognition and personalization to its Echo devices. This is something that Google Home announced quite a while ago uh, and updated uh, in its event uh, recently. Uh, Amazon hasn't had this until now, so it's just responded to every user the same way, essentially. It will now start to recognize individual users whose voices it's trained on and offer up slightly different services for them. For now, that's limited to Amazon services, so things like shopping uh, on Amazon.com uh, or Amazon Music Unlimited and various things like that. It won't do calendars and other third-party features yet. So uh, uh, behind Google Home's implementation in that sense. And of course, it's just another example of the fact that Google doesn't know individual users. It tends to know households, doesn't have a lot of background on individual users, doesn't have profiles on them, doesn't have access to calendars, emails, things like that. So uh, in this particular case, Amazon behind Google Home and other cases, of course, its features are, are well ahead, especially after the recent changes it made. Now, number seven, uh, California's DMV has amended its rules for the testing of autonomous driving cars. Uh, at, at present, those rules require a human driver in the car. They require standard driving controls so that the human driver can take over whenever necessary. These new rules would basically allow testing without a human driver, without those traditional human controls inside the car. And so there's a big step forward. Um, it was, should allow California to be more competitive with Arizona, where a lot of recent testing has been taking place because the regulations there are a lot looser. California, though, of course, home to a lot of the companies that are doing this testing many of which would much rather test that technology closer to home. So paves the way for that to happen. There is a risk that all this gets superseded by federal regulation that's being contemplated at the moment, which would preempt uh, state-level regulation and, and make rules on a national basis, which ultimately is arguably the best thing for the industry longer term. Number eight, AT&T's pre-announced some of its Q3 results uh, around TV specifically. 
uh, in a, an SEC filing. Uh, this relates partly to the hurricanes and everything that's been going on and the impact that's going to have. It's going to have, uh, I think, a 90 million hit to revenue, about a 200 million hit to uh, profits in the quarter, so not a huge impact. But it's also taken the opportunity to talk about its TV business. It says it's added 300,000 direct TV now uh, streaming subscribers in the quarter on top of the sort of nearly half a million that it had at the end of last quarter. So pretty aggressive growth there. That's impressive. On the other hand, its traditional pay TV losses look like being 90,000. So more losses on that side of the business, which it says is partly about hurricanes, but partly also about the overall level of competition. And one of the challenges for direct TV there specifically has been that it can't offer a bundle of broadband and TV in a big chunk of the country where AT&T is not the local telco. So big challenges there. Some interesting details too on the wireless side where it's seen lower upgrade activity. That's an ongoing trend for AT&T uh, on the phone side. And it's doing some interesting stuff, splitting out some Internet of Things subscribers as it relates to connected cars specifically. Number nine, Lyft has announced half a billion total rides. So 500 million, 100 million of which were in the last three months. Uh, it's still much smaller than Uber has a much larger number, which has a much larger number of total rides at this point. But uh, the chart that accompanies the blog post that I'm linking here uh, for Lyft uh, shows basically exponential growth. Looks like the bottom of a very big S curve. Uh, so an impressive rate of growth, especially in a mature market with two major competitors. Uh, another piece of evidence that Lyft's doing very well this year. Tempting to see that as a result of Uber's troubles. I think that's the wrong interpretation here. There's certainly some positive effect from all of that. But this is really about the fact that Lyft has expanded very dramatically across the US, going from roughly half the US covered to 95%, at least in theory. We've talked about that on a previous episode, the 95% coverage includes a lot of areas where you'd probably be hard-pressed to find a car in any kind of short amount of time. Uh, but it has gone through this aggressive expansion this year, and I think that's the major driver of that growth. And then lastly, Bloomberg is reporting that even though there's been a lot of talk about a Sprint T-Mobile merger, and I think the received wisdom was that this would get through regulatory approvals pretty easily because the Trump administration generally favors uh, consolidation in a way that the Obama administration didn't, the reality is that the staff lawyers at the Department of Justice, which has to re review the merger and recommend whether it's approved or not, are pretty much the same lawyers that were there under the Obama administration and who blocked the deal last time around preemptively. Um, such that it never was formally proposed or uh, went up for regulatory approval. Uh, so that kind of goes against that received wisdom a little bit. It doesn't mean that the deal wouldn't go ahead, but it would mean that the leadership of the DOJ and the Trump administration in general would probably have to push the deal through over the objections of and recommendations of those staff lawyers. So it's an interesting hurdle that hasn't really been talked about much. Interesting bit of detail there uh, from Bloomberg. It'd be interesting to see how all this pans out over the next few weeks. The deal is expected to be announced towards the end of this month uh, with earnings from the two companies. So that's the last of the 10 items that I wrote about for subscribers today on the site. Uh, I wrote about the uh, Amazon personalization voice recognition piece as a free post. All the rest were exclusive to subscribers. So you can read that whether or not you're a subscriber. Uh, you can sign up for a free trial if you want to read all the pieces and all past pieces as well. Uh, five items to round up for you here at the end. The New York Times has an interesting piece which really responded to uh, Alex Stamos, the chief security officer at Facebook, his Twitter rant over the weekend that I talked about on Monday, uh, complaining the media wasn't digging deep enough into some of the details here. Uh, around the Russian question and so on. This uh, is a piece that asked Facebook a lot of detailed questions about this. Got some decent answers on some, not so much on some of the other ones, but some interesting detail there regardless. Bloomberg has a deep dive on CBS and the way in which it's tried to reinvent itself and deal with the growing 
phenomenon of internet streaming and so on over the last 10 years and specifically focuses on the new Star Trek series, which CBS has debuted in its apps rather than uh, on TV. Thirdly, IP Watchdog has an interesting piece on that Qualcomm antitrust war that I mentioned earlier with the Taiwanese fine uh, and the broader patent licensing issues around all of this. So a great backgrounder on all of that, including some stuff on the Apple fight. Fourth, CNET has a piece on Evernote raising its prices and yet still seeing uh, bigger growth. And it's an excuse to talk about Evernote as a business. It's one of those sort of second tier companies that I don't usually cover directly, but it's an interesting example of a company that's carved out a little niche for itself and been quite successful. I certainly rely on it personally very heavily in my work. So glad to see them doing well. And then lastly, another Bloomberg piece. This is about Uber uh, pushing the limits of the law. So there were three uh, sort of law enforcement investigations we were aware of around Uber in the US alone. Uh, but this this Bloomberg piece says there are actually five, including two new ones that we weren't aware of before. So uh, interesting detail there about all the different legal fights that Uber is facing, pretty much all of which came out of the uh, overly aggressive culture that existed under Travis Kalanick and a general disregard for regulation. Uh, so interesting detail, as I say there. As usual, links to all of those, as well as the 10 items from the site and the sources for those items in the show notes. So check those out if you're interested in reading about any of this stuff in more detail. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Bye-bye.